0: Have you ever noticed in this story, in Luke's account of the birth of Jesus, that the shepherds were living in the field, not commuting from a house to an office, not going and coming from the fields. They lived in the fields, not making a living. This was their way of life. They were exposed to storms, they were exposed to extreme heat, to extreme cold. They were having to constantly be alert for every sound to make sure that it was not a predator that was after their sheep. There was tremendous danger and risk in the life of shepherding. But there was also tremendous glory in the life of shepherding as well. And, and, what, and what we see happen is that their floor, the ceiling above them Were the starry glad heavens. Their floor was the earth that was rejoicing. Their walls were the fields and all the trees shouting for joy. These shepherds lived in Psalm 96 that we heard declared earlier. Psalm 96, a lullaby of the Jewish people that were called a creator God who promised to make all things new. Every year in our tradition, Psalm 96 is one of the readings given to this holy night. And I can't help but wonder on this night filled with wonder if the shepherds may have been humming this song over their sheep. Because, you know, sheep, like all animals, pick up on our human emotions. Anyone who has a dog or a cat living in their house knows about this. That they can pick up on things that we can't see. And so if the shepherds were singing them a lullaby, they were likely feeling very a melody of comfort. They were feeling very comforted. And if the shepherds were sore afraid like the angel told them not to be, the sheep would have been affected too. And what is it that sheep do when they're afraid? They do the same thing that we humans want to do. They want to run away. They want to run from the person who wants to help them and protect them the most. You know, we usually associate these lullabies, these songs of comfort, with babies, with small children who are in our midst because we want to soothe them, we want to comfort them, we want to assuage their fears. And the thing that distinguishes a lullaby from any other song, and one of the thing, or one of the main things, I should say, that distinguishes it is that a lullaby is not sung to somebody, it's not sung about somebody, A lullaby is sung over somebody. It is a prayer. It is something that is spoken or sung over someone that the words that they are singing would seep down into their soul. There is one time in Scripture, one time where we hear that God sings... And that is by the, in the prophet Zephaniah. Have fun looking that one up in the little pages in your Old Testament that are stuck together. But it's well worth looking it up, not just for that scripture. But in Zephaniah, we hear this, the Lord rejoices over us with singing. Friends, the only time we hear about God singing over us, he's singing over. He is singing, when he, that he sings, he is singing not to us or about us. He is singing over us as well. And as we think about that, as we think about these shepherds with their sheep, trying to keep them calm, trying to keep them ordered and everything on this night in Bethlehem so long ago, we also need to think about this. So often our nativity scenes depict an angel over the stable in Bethlehem. With so often, we, no doubt, friends, there were angels all around that stable. The only reason Mary and Joseph got through that night was that God was present to them. These unseen beings, these angels, were all around just like we are surrounded by them even now in the world we live in today. God's angels are ever watching over us, as Psalm 91 says. But in the scripture, those we don't hear about the angel in Bethlehem. I am so happy that our stable here in the sanctuary is theologically correct. Because there is no angel over this stable that we can see. And that is correct because the, only, the first time we see an angel appear to announce the birth of Jesus, it's not at the stable. They already know that he's there. The stable, the folks in the stable know that the Christ child's been born. No, the angel comes and appears to shepherds and their sheep, the sheep and their caretakers. Why? Why on earth did, out of all of the people, out of all of the people in Bethlehem, why did God come to the sheep? Why did God come and appear to the sheep and those who were taking care of them? Well, there's a short and easy answer that I'm going to give you, but and I could actually give you that answer and we could just go home, but I'm going to give you a longer answer as well because that's what we do in the worship services. But the short and easy answer is that God came to the sheep because you and I, we're sheep. We're, we run when we're scared, we need guidance, we need help, we need, to be, we need the rod and the staff of the Good Shepherd to comfort us and to guide us and to lead us. We need, all of, we need all of those things. We need to be led. We are the lost, we are the lonely, we are the poor, we are the broken, we are the ones in need of guidance and love and care. The longer answer to that question, though, friends, is a story that, 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 excuse me for just a moment, there's a longer answer to that question of why God would first choose to tell the good news to the sheep and their caretakers. And it's a tough story to hear at Christmas, but it is a necessary story to hear at Christmas as well. In the book of Exodus, way, way back before Jesus was born, our ancestors were slaves in Egypt. And they were imprisoned by this life that they could not get out of on their own. And, God got, and when God delivered them, they were given instructions. Every family was to sacrifice a lamb and to put the blood on the doorpost as a sign that God would protect them and lead them into deliverance. This became known as the Feast of the Passover, for God's judgment had passed over them for centuries that followed. Every year, lambs were sacrificed in remembrance of God's mercy until this holy night happened. That same God, the judge, came again. He came, as Psalm 96 tells us, to judge the earth, to judge the world in righteousness, and to judge his people in faithfulness. He came not to destroy, but to restore what had been lost this time. And when the Lord came again, He came first to the sheep. He came to the sheep all while his son, the baby in the manger, this baby in the manger, became the pure and spotless and perfect Lamb of God who would grow up to be a man who was slain once and for all for the sins of the world. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned to our own way, and while the heavens are rejoicing over us, imperfect, wayward, and yet so full of potential sheep, the weight of the world's sins are laid on this perfect Lamb of God, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger, Friends, is it any wonder that our nativity scenes depict the shepherds, the wise men, even Jesus' own parents, own parents being down on their knees? They are on their knees because their posture is one of worship, kneeling, bowing down, bowing in awe and wonder, overwhelmed by God's mercy, but also bowing down in full repentance of knowing that we are a people in need of a Savior and a grace that we can't earn but that must be given to us by God's mercy. This is where we should begin every Christmas. Every Christmas should begin not standing at the manger, but kneeling at the foot of the Lamb of God who takest away the sins of the world. Now, as I talk about bowing down, as I I talk about this posture of being down on our knees, as the angel said, fear not. I'm not going to make you get down on your knees right now in your pew. We're not going to climb down on the floor. You'll have a chance, if you would like to, to kneel at the altar with your knees. But what's more important tonight, friends is that we bow with our hearts, that we bow with our hearts in a posture of repentance and of love for the Christ child who wants to give us more than we could ever imagine. Christmas is a time we want to be uplifted, yes, but we can only be lifted up by our Father once we have bowed down with Jesus. Repent of our sin, receive His grace, and respond with His love. In preparation to come to the Lord's table tonight, I want to invite you to join me in the Agnus Dei, which is an ancient prayer to the Lamb of God. I'm going to turn and kneel and face the altar as a representative, as, as your priest, as, your, as the person who stands in the authority here in this church. And as I kneel down, I'm going to say a line of the prayer, and I want to ask you to repeat it after me. And I want to invite you, if you're physically able, to close your eyes and to bow your head as you do so To turn your focus to your own heart. And as we do so, repeat after me O Lamb of God, God, that takest away the sins of the world, world. have mercy upon us. us. O Lamb of God, God, that takest away the sins of the world, world. have have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, that takest away the sins of the world. world. Grant Grant us thy peace. Friends, this is our lullaby. As God first sang over us sheep a song of glory and of majesty in the heavens, we sing over the precious Lamb of God as we come to worship him. We sing who he is. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. Let us worship him, let us receive from him, and let us love him as he first loved us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.